0: I'm going to guess that because of the, the the reason for our gathering, that there probably are a lot of you who aren't from St. James, but who have come in support of family or friends who are being confirmed or renewing baptismal vows and all that. Is that safe to assume? I won't ask for a show of hands, but... As bishop, a part of my responsibility in traveling around the diocese is to engage in the pastoral relationship of bishop and diocese and congregations, but I probably should stay away from some of that today and just trust that we should focus more on those that are being confirmed. Does that, that sounds okay? I know there are going to be some who heard a version of this sermon this morning. I think maybe our organist, if I've got it right, yes. Um, So I just will acknowledge that up front. I'm on on what I call a doubleheader. I'm a baseball fan. I had a service this morning at St. Paul's where some people were confirmed. Um, I stopped for some lunch, and I listened to a ball game, and now I'm here for the second half of the doubleheader. And, And I'm grateful for that. Back before COVID sort of changed all of our schedules, it was pretty common for me to find the opportunity to be able to be in a couple of different places on a weekend instead of only one. As bishop in this diocese, a a region that goes from the state line of Virginia to the state line of South Carolina, from the ocean into about I-95, we've got about 70 worshiping communities, and it takes a couple of years of Sunday mornings to get to everybody. So when I have the chance to be with folks at an alternative time, a Sunday afternoon or a weeknight evening, sometimes that allows me to better serve the needs of the congregation as bishop, but it also gives me as bishop a better chance to, to strengthen and form relationships with people. And again, so for that, I'm grateful. And it's good to be able to do this during the season of Easter, And I said that purposefully, the season of Easter. And I'm sure that's what you've been taught, and if you're here at St. James anyhow, that Easter is not just a morning, but it's a morning that begins a season of 50 days, and all of the Sundays included. I love that it's just a little bit longer than Lent, which is 40 days. (laughs) 40 days of Lent often ends up seeming long. 50 days of Easter is never enough. And there's a sense in which, as Episcopal Christians at least, Every Sunday we gather is an expression of Easter. Every Sunday we gather is a time when we are called to proclaim resurrection faith. And we are called to proclaim how it is that God is at work in our midst. So whether we're in the Advent or Christmas season or in Lent or any other time, when we gather on Sunday, the good news of God raising Jesus from death is to be at the center I think that this afternoon's Gospel reading is a particularly powerful telling of the Easter message. Now, it's not the one that we hear typically on Easter morning. That's when we will hear typically about Mary Magdalene and others arriving at the tomb and finding it empty, where maybe a couple of the men rush in and out quickly and maybe aren't changed much, And then Mary finds her way back to where the disciples are gathered and says, in some form, I have seen the Lord, and they do or they don't believe her. And I think there have been lots of sermons preached about why it is that they didn't believe the women. This passage we have in Luke's gospel comes after that story. So that's the primary story. But now, after everything that's happened in the city of Jerusalem seems to have happened, we have Cleopas and his companion finding their way home and trying to make sense of everything that they have seen and everything that they have heard. They are filled with most emotions, probably very mixed emotions, and something is preventing them from being able to see clearly. So as they are walking on the road and are joined by a companion, they don't recognize that companion as their risen Lord and Savior. So they've heard accounts that that happened. They've heard reports of people seeing that or hearing that. But they're trying to make sense of it themselves. And they're so absorbed with the emotions they have of their good friend having died, of their lives having been turned upside down when they chose to follow him, and perhaps now being turned upside down again. They just don't recognize this person on the road. And and what's interesting is they recite back to this stranger everything that's happened. And it makes a really good telling of the Easter message as we understand it. But even reciting it back to the stranger, they don't get it. They don't fully understand what has happened. I think that can be true for us in our time. We know the story. Those of us that have been around church for any number of years will have heard the Easter story of Jesus' death on a cross and his burial and his followers finding the grave empty and trying to make sense of it. As I understand it, with the evidence of the rest of human history, there are two things that are generally accepted about Jesus by people who have no belief in him. One is that there was a person named Jesus who was understood to have been killed on a cross. And the second was there were reports he was raised. Now, those reports don't settle it. They just tell that they knew about that from the beginning. Historians, not just followers of Jesus. I think that we, as followers of Jesus, are called to be people who are able to acknowledge that we don't have to understand everything to proclaim resurrection. Mary didn't understand everything, not at first. The disciples didn't understand everything. It took them a while. Last Sunday, if you were in church, you probably heard the story of Thomas, who's called the doubter, who seems to have had all the evidence a person would need, and he still was hesitant. He needed to see and touch Jesus himself, and he comes to be a believer. For those of you who are being baptized and confirmed and received today, I'm, I'm going to make an assumption, and you can tell me afterwards if I'm all wrong, but I'm going to make an assumption that at some level those are questions that have been moving around in your life a little bit that there's something going on, the work of the Holy Spirit, pressure from family, whatever combinations of things it might be, that has brought you to this day when you will stand in our presence and confess your faith in the risen Christ, the resurrection faith. What's really exciting about the story as it's told to us today, and as I believe it's told through all of the Easter message that we have in whatever form it's told, is that it was not just about God raising Jesus from death and opening the grave and conquering death, but it was about the transformation of those who followed Jesus and found their lives changed forever. I've often argued myself and heard others argue that the fact of the resurrection, if you can accept that it's a fact, is not enough. But the fact that those events caused transformation in human lives such that they went out from that experience with the amount of confidence that allowed them to go public. They were able to move from being people of sorrow and loss and grief and confusion to move into a place where their hearts were warmed within them and they could tell the story. That's incredible. And because that happened in the lives of those who've been followers of Jesus, and because other people saw that, and other people and other people The story continues to be told today, and it's at the heart of our faith as followers of Jesus. So it's not just about the story of God raising Jesus from death. It's also about the reality that God invites us to be transformed, invites our hearts to be changed. The stranger on the road listened to them go on and on about all that had happened, and then it was almost like finally he had enough. And he started telling them the story of their faith from the beginnings of the the Hebrew scriptures, faith that was at the foundation for them. And he told them those stories and he put it all together and they still didn't get it. I wonder, one of the reasons I, one of the ways I like to read scripture is to read it and wonder, what is that person really experiencing? What's in their heart? What's in their mind? I wonder what was in the heart and mind of the one who at that point was still a stranger on the road and who accompanied them. But eventually they get to the place where they plan to stop for the night and they invite the stranger in with them and it's when they sit at table and the stranger takes bread and blesses it and breaks it that he is known to them in the breaking of the bread and then he disappears. Every Sunday, most every Sunday in the Episcopal Church, we gather around a table that Doesn't look much like a table. And we have bread and wine that isn't like the bread and wine that we would normally share at our dinner tables with guests. But we remember a meal that was a lot more like that. We remember a meal when Jesus sat around table with his friends and shared bread and shared wine with them and said that whenever you take these things, remember me. I haven't looked, but maybe the words remember me are are etched into the altar somewhere. Many altars will have that around them. Remember me. Jesus' last teaching of his followers, remember me. Whenever you do this, remember me. Well, We've turned that into a wonderful sacrament with lots of ritual and gold and silver and all sorts of ornamentation. But I think what he was saying is when you share a meal with friends around the table and you break bread and share this cup, remember me. Remember the relationships we've had. Remember the ways that we've known one another. Their lives were transformed around that table. The healing, as it were, was complete. The grief was wiped away. And the thing we hear them do next is to get up and turn around and go back to Jerusalem, where they can encounter those others who shared in the strange and wonderful things that happened with Jesus' death and resurrection. Once they have been transformed, they become agents of transformation. They come engaged in changing the world through relationships, through events, through circumstances that are told through the book of Acts, which we hear through this Easter season. I have an idea of some of what life at St. James is like, because I've been added to the mailing list. (laughs) So if you know about the emails you get, I get them too. And, And I know that you have more than your share of funerals. And I know that for every funeral, there's a whole lot of pastoral work involved. And so I know that this is a place that works hard at caring for members, and it probably feels like work that never ends. But I also watch the, the newsletter or bulletin that comes out that like gets longer every time I scroll with the events that are happening, the excitement that's happening. And through social media, I hear about men on a mission, and I see where the youth group's going, and I find out lots about the life of this place. And I get tired looking at it. <laughs> I can't imagine fully what it's like for all of you to live in the midst of it. The Easter season, I think, is a time when we can be reminded of what's at the center of our life as followers of Jesus. And if it's not resurrection faith, it better be. And that resurrection faith has the power through God's Holy Spirit to transform us and to change us from whatever brokenness or anxiety or fear or exhaustion we may be feeling to a place of healing and wholeness and the confidence to step out more publicly and to speak the faith that we've been given and to be um, agents of reconciliation, agents of transformation in the world where we live. Um, I don't doubt that, that you're all working hard at what's ahead. And I've been bishop for coming on, well, about eight and a half years now. I guess it's that long. And so I, I get to see a little bit about what life in our congregations looks like and what the hard work is and what the challenges are. And I know some of the challenges you faced are faced by lots of other congregations as well. Now, you all don't. Well, let's put it this way: You do have a whole block of property in downtown Wilmington that requires a little bit of care and maintenance, aspect. And your very location requires you to become involved with the downtown community, which is probably not where many of you live. You can come in and out of life in the congregation. Maybe some of you can walk, but I'll bet lots of you drive. But that life and ministry that's lived here will be with people that may not go very far out of the downtown. I, I know that you've worked hard at um, all sorts of challenges around COVID, like, well, it used to be, can we be back together, Bishop, or however you made your decisions. Um, and now it's, well, we're back together, but why haven't you all come with us? And 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 a congregation that haven't Being given lots of choices, is taking lots of choices. And how do you bring people together and have a sense of common purpose and unity about all of that? The challenges that you face, those of you who are members of St. James, that you face are very much like challenges faced by so many of us, whether in the world of church or in other ways. May God's Holy Spirit keep you focused on the Easter message. May God's Holy Spirit continue to transform your heart's your lives. You're empowering you to bear witness to the ways in which you have seen and heard that God has raised Jesus from death and that God seeks to transform all of us. God's love is for all people, not just those of us that do all the right things in our church. God's love is for all people. And I think those of us who live within the life of the church are called to bear witness to that love. If this was a pastoral visit that was just like the bishop coming, there'd probably be a question and answer session or there'd be some other thing. I've taken to calling it grilled bishop. <laughs> Sometimes it really feels like that. Um, this morning at St. Paul's was just fine, but um, there would be opportunities for more interaction, more back and forth, more opportunity for me to learn from more of you about what life is like and, and how this community of faith supports you in living the life you have. Um, today we're gathered for a very specific purpose. Just where you are, hands up if you're being baptized or confirmed today. That's kind of, oh, you're all pretty close to the front. Well, thank you. Thank you for being willing to say yes to whatever stirring of the heart has happened in your lives that's caused you to be willing to stand up, even in this relatively small congregation, and say yes. I pray that God's Holy Spirit will work in your lives to transform you more and more fully into the person God has created you to be. And that as that transformation happens, you can participate with the life of this congregation and the world in which we live and see it transformed more and more fully into what God calls us to be. Amen.